Welcome to the Adoption and Foster Care Journey, a podcast to encourage, educate, and equip you to care for children and youth through adoption, foster, and kinship care. Hosted by an adoptive mom with over 22 years of kinship and adoptive parenting experience, she's on this journey with you. Please welcome Sandra Flack. Not only so, but we also glory in our sufferings because we know that suffering produces perseverance, perseverance, character, and character, hope. That is Romans 5, verses 3 through 4. Welcome to the Adoption and Foster Care Journey, formerly the Orphans No More podcast, a podcast to encourage educate and equip you to care for children and youth in crisis through adoption, foster care, and kinship care. I am your host, Sandra Flack, fellow adoptive mom on this journey with you. This is the first of our dad series episodes for the month of June in honor of Father's Day. We are honoring our foster and adoptive dads, and we have a great dad guest with us today. His wife is a fellow podcaster who you might be familiar with. She's been on the show several times before. But first, as promised, we are now dropping into your device by our new name, The Adoption and Foster Care Journey. As I mentioned way back on episode 320 of Orphans No More, we started as a radio program seven years ago. We've been a podcast for more than three years now, and we're realizing that our intentional listeners are folks like you, adoptive, foster, and kinship parents folks like me at the same time, Uh, and we want to be able to reach our listener base. So as of June 1st, 2022, this month, we are now the Adoption and Foster Care Journey. Same host, yours truly, same content, same mission to serve you. So if you're a subscriber, you don't have to do anything. Maybe today you noticed that the podcast showed up on your device by the new name, Uh, so you're all set. If you're not yet a subscriber, please go ahead and subscribe today. When listeners subscribe and leave a five-star review uh, or whatever star review you wanna give us, it signals to the algorithm out there in cyberspace that this show is relevant and important. And we want all adoptive, foster, and kinship caregivers to find this show because we believe it's a vital resource for the parenting journey. So check it out. The Adoption and Foster Care Journey, our new name. And I have a feeling we're going to have to tweak a few things because the new intro that we recorded uh, holds some of the same wording uh, that I am used to just automatically opening the show with for, for quite some time now. So bear with us as we make the transition. But if you do find this show to be an encouragement to you, please let us know. We would love to hear from you. If you have a comment, a question, a suggestion. Maybe you're just really struggling with something and you want to reach out and connect and even schedule a Zoom call with me. Um, I love to connect with listeners. Uh, you know, we have we have questions on this journey, right? And especially as we are all just wrapping up uh, this past school year with our kids. How did it go? Uh, are you looking at a repeat performance next year? Or are you considering something like homeschooling or just wondering, wondering how to you know, navigate the IEP, navigate these different things? So if I, I don't claim to have all the answers, but I share what I know and, and point you in the direction of resources that I know are out there. Plus, you know, I know I value connecting with ex- moms on this journey who are experiencing some of the same things that we're experiencing because nobody gets this journey of being a foster or adoptive or kinship caregiver, especially when we're parenting children with trauma histories, uh, parenting kids who are prenatally exposed to alcohol and other substances, it's completely different. So we need to be uh, here for each other and I'm here for you. So if you want to reach out to me by email, you can uh, reach me directly at 
Sandra Flack, JFO at gmail.com. You can also reach me through our ministries website, uh, and that is justicefororphansny.org. And by uh, in the next month or so, our website will be all updated with all of the new uh, FASD and trauma resources and things. So um, pop over there and check it out. Uh, and I'll be officially announcing when it is all up and, and uh, uh, running, but you can reach me either way now or later through the website. Uh, so stay tuned to the end of the show because I do have some announcements about some upcoming resources that we're going to be offering. Um, so we want you to be looking for that. Now, enough of my rambling. Uh, we want to get to our guest, adoptive dad, John Vecchione. John is a husband, dad, home improvement warrior, aspiring woodworker, and armchair musician. Married for 27 years, John and Natalie brought both of their adopted kids home when they were newborn infants. They suspected their son had a fetal alcohol spectrum disorder from the time he was very young, but didn't get an official diagnosis until he was 15 years old. Now, their son is almost 20 years old and living interdependently in an apartment with two roommates. They are navigating new territory on their parenting journey. John has learned so much about being a dad and a husband and works with Natalie to share their experience and encourage other parents who are facing similar struggles on the FASD Hope podcast, one of my favorite podcasts that I listen to faithfully. Uh, John works as a product manager for a major retail company where he also volunteers as vice chair of the Different Abilities Team team member network and lives with his family in eastern north carolina please welcome john vecchione hey john hey sandra thanks for having me yeah i'm thrilled uh i've been looking forward to our conversation uh natalie and i are soul sisters i think we would say on this journey so it's wonderful to officially meet you air quotes um and have you on the show so i know you are a regular on the fasd hope podcast and we're thrilled to have you here on ours as I mentioned in the intro, uh, you guys have two children through adoption, Nick, who is 20, uh, and Gigi. I'm not sure how old Gigi is. Can You you can chime in and let us know. <laughs> yeah, she's about to turn seven. Ah, uh, so sweet. Um, but let's, let's start with Nick because, um, you know, he came home first. You can let us know how old he was when he came home and, and what was life like in those early days. Yeah, absolutely. The so he was um, he was uh, a, a, just around two weeks old when we brought him home, and um, oddly enough, we had the same birthday, um, and so it was. So that was kind of uh, we had you know we saw that, and and that was we thought that was a a, a pretty clear sign from above that this was uh, meant to be. And uh, we did a quick scramble with our doctor. We lived in Philadelphia at the time and Nick was born in Reading, Pennsylvania. And, um, and so we went and we met him and we fell in love right away. And the early days was probably not that much different than most, you know, newborns coming home and you're, you're adjusting your life and, and, and so on. Um, but we we noticed I, I, the the timeline is a little fuzzy now, but I think pretty quickly within the year, somewhere between his first and second birthday, he wasn't sleeping, and we noticed more as time went on that there was there was Natalie fortunately picked up that there's something going on, sensory issues. He wasn't sleeping. He went like a whole summer with no sleep. I mean, it felt like no sleep. We weren't sleeping. He couldn't be alone in his room, lots of separation anxiety. And um, our, you know, the pediatricians did the best they could, but they didn't really know what was going on. Finally, we had a, a sleep study done um, at, um, I can't remember one of the children's hospitals in Philadelphia and that went okay. But 
we got the first sort of hint of this is that we went back to do to review the results with the doctor and the doctor walked in the room and saw Nick for the first time and said, he's got FAS, he's got fetal alcohol effects. And he could, he noticed, I guess, his face, a, a, a facial feature. And that was the last that that was mentioned. And it wasn't documented. It wasn't anywhere in his notes. And, um, you know, so we went through a series of early intervention and um, a school where they could provide services and so on. And that lasted about a year. And then they said, well, he's doing, he's kind of where he should be. So I don't think, you know, we'll put a monitor on him, but we don't really need to, he doesn't need to be engaged in services. And it kind of went quiet. We were, we were working with him and trying to do our reading on, you know, in, on, in learning during that time, but it just kind of went quiet for, until he about hit puberty, oddly enough. Um, and so, you know, during that time, we had done a bunch of reading and learning. And the more that we saw what was going on with him, the more we were seeing, we said, I really think this is fetal alcohol spectrum disorder. And, but we could not, none of our doctors, therapists, no, they, we got blown off a lot in just like, no, it's not that, it's not what it is. It's just, it's ADHD. He had so many other symptoms, breathing, stomach, um, would get a bug bite and they would blow up into, you know, massive welts and uh, all the, the symptoms that we've seen as the result, I think, of the, of the FASD. And, uh, and so that was a, it was, it was kind of frustrating and we felt uncertain if we were on the right path or not, but it got to the point where we said we're on the right path and we're just not getting the information. We're not talking to the right people yet, the right doctors yet. And so that went on for, that went on for a bit, you know? Yeah. That's, it's definitely a long journey, (laughs) especially with FASD involved. So, and I know we'll, we'll talk more about that, but somewhere along the line, Gigi came onto the scene, right? So she came as a baby as well. Um, So tell us a little bit about Gigi when she came and what the adjustment was like bringing her home. Yeah, that, so she, we were actually in the room when she was born and she was also at that point it you know nick was about to turn 12 and we were in uh we were in new york we we lived in new york but she was in also in pennsylvania um and so you know we went we were excited about it nick was really excited about it at that point he had been you know we'd been homeschooling him for i think about two years and um we went and, you know, kind of brought her home. And then that, so that was sort of the start. And Nick was also 12. So puberty was like kind of getting into full swing. And then we, my father died the following, she was born in June. My father died in December, which my dad and Nick had a really close bond. And so that, I don't know, it was like that series of things that really seemed to set him we really started to see a difference in him he was like just angry it set him off it was like a hair trigger reaction to things would would, you know would set him off Gigi was colicky and so and their rooms were right next to each other we lived in a pretty small townhouse at the time and so he wasn't sleeping as a result he loved her he was never negative or aggressive towards her in any way he was um he loved her to death but we could see it coming out with him so it was like not only i think was it puberty and the aunts you know the sort of the the fasd a lot of the 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 sort of symptoms of that were showing up um more regularly on top of all of the regular things that 12 year old boys go through and um, but the change in our lifestyle and having the baby, and he was no longer the only child getting all the attention. It was all that sort of rolled together, turned into, it was, it was brutal for quite a long time. Um, and we moved to North Carolina in 2016 and 
Um, it was a pretty, it was a rough ride. Natalie did the homeschooling. So she's trying to homeschool a teenager in high school. And we've got Gigi at that point was, was, uh, you know, a year or so old when we moved here. And, um, and then we started to see some changes in Nick and he was diagnosed with bipolar disorder as well. And, you know, which is, uh, there's, it's pretty common, uh, for, you know, comorbid diagnosis, mental health diagnosis with FASD. Um, and, and so, you know, that it was a rough ride for all of us. I think Natalie caught the brunt of that because she was with here in the house with them all day and trying to homeschool, trying to keep a schedule for Nick while trying to, you know, meet the needs of a, of a, of a high energy toddler. Um, and at the time I was working for a company, I was traveling a reasonable, at least once a month I was having to travel. Um, and, and so it was just, it was pretty, it was pretty rough. It was a really, really rough period, uh, for us, but our faith really got us through and staying close, you know, talking and trying to stay in sync on things really, really was our faith without that this would have fallen apart in a minute um so we're always very thankful and we always remember that that's our you know sort of god is our center so yeah definitely uh key to survival especially uh on this journey for sure um so john when i know you said nick got the bipolar disorder did that come before or after the fasd diagnosis or he got the diagnosis for the bipolar disorder. Um, when did he get the diagnosis for FASD? We, we actually got them together at the same time. And, uh, and I think the way this went was that we had moved here. We moved to North Carolina. We started talking with uh, an expert in FASD who's here who was just, it was phone calls and she was offering guidance and advice and, you know, to us. And then um, we could see that Nick was up and down and we, he, we were seeing, um, he was seeing a psychiatrist for medication and we were talking to her about it. And she said, I, you know, she had talked to him about to see if he was manic at one point and said, I don't think he's manic, but then it kept happening where he would go from depression, crying fits and being very sad and depressed to raging anger, you know? And, uh, and so it got to the point we were working with her to try to balance his meds and, you know, with, with, uh, with having, you know, us, a baby, a, a toddler in the house, we, no longer could just focus on his primary needs. We had to make sure that Gianna was safe. I, you know, I was particularly concerned. We were both concerned that, you know, when I'm at work and they're here and is, you know, and he, if he gets angry, is that going to be a safety issue? Fortunately, it never was. There was never an incident where, um, where Natalie, I don't think felt safe. She would, they'd have times where things would get heated and she would basically say, just, you got to go to your room. You got to, you know, we have to, you have to go. And he would be mad and do that. But that was that. Um, but eventually where it landed was that he, it, he was so up and down and the doctor was trying to get control. She was adjusting his meds. But it got to the point where we said, we, we have to take dramatic steps here because this is too, it's too much stress. It's too hard on him. It's hard on us. And, um, and plus, we don't know if we're, there's like imminent danger at this point. And so we had to have him hospitalized. We took him to an ER, which they deemed that he needed, you know, he needed this attention. And, uh, and so he was only in the... Uh, you know, this um, mental health for youth, this facility for about four or five days. But the our psychiatrist knew the head psychiatrist there and was talking with him. And when we, you know, the last day, he did really good in the program. He was really, really angry the first couple of days with us. We would, Natalie and I would go every night for visiting hours and spend as much time as we could with him and just tell him how much we loved him. And it was really 
it felt like our life had been turned upside down, but, um, we, we would do that. And as the days went on, you know, the, the we saw, could see a, a noticeable change in him where he said the, the counselors told him just to keep his head down and, um, you know, stay out of the drama. And he did, and he focused on what was going on in group. He really made an effort and it made a difference, I think. And they were trying to get his meds balanced. And so he, um, you know, he was only there for four or five days, but what we realized after the fact and looking back was that it was probably, it wasn't a great experience. Like the facility, they, it did what it needed to do, but it wasn't a great, it wasn't good for, for overall in terms of the experience. Um, and so I was glad to have him home, but he probably came home a little early. He was still manic, kind of manic when he came home. So it took, I don't know, months, if not a year of making adjustments to his meds to get him just right, you know, to where he was doing pretty good. And then our, you know, his psychiatrist retired, we changed doctors. And then, you know, we had a couple of doctor changes. Now we've been with the same doctor and practitioner for maybe two or three years there. His practitioner is, she's fantastic, um, is really responsive. She, Natalie had, you know, sent to her that there's a sort of an FASD. Um, I don't know if it's an FASD, but it's basically there's sort of a, a, a formula or a there's a number of medications and in these amounts that uh, and I'm I know I'm misstating this and I'm not misstating this very correctly, but is that the uh, is it the algorithm the FASD algorithm for medication? I think so. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. And it turned out that I don't think she was actively using that, but what she what she was doing the step really aligned with that algorithm. And so he's been in he he's been in a pretty good state since you know we his meds have leveled out and we've gotten him settled and um, and also coming through puberty is just brutal as well because they're the doctors trying to make adjustments and their you know bodies are changing and. So that's not an easy, that's not an easy thing. And we had to learn that, you know, medication is not, you're not flipping a switch to, to, or turning a key. It takes time for the body to adjust. And then you have interactions with other medications and there's all these other factors. So it just took time and it was, I know it was hard on him. It was hard on us, but um, the, the older that he's gotten, we've seen him, you know, he's almost 20 now. We've seen him like, it's not as dramatically up and down. He still has a lot of anxiety and he's still not the deep depression, but he's, you know, depression can kind of hit him at times, especially with FASD. We have a great day at night. It, they just kind of fall off a cliff. They can't ease their way down. Like, you know, a, like a, a neurotypical brain would. So, um, so it's been an interesting ride to say the least. And we've learned a <laughs> yeah. lot, you know, over the years and uh we're we're thankful that we've we're very thankful and grateful that our family's intact that our marriage is intact and that um you know we're able to share some of our experience because we just think back to that time we we had no help there was little information it's not as prolific even now it's still not terribly prolific but you can find things, you can find doctors. We searched and scrounged. We just couldn't find the information we needed. We couldn't get doc our doctors and care to pay attention to us in, in this regard or anybody to validate this might be it. Talk to, you need to talk to somebody else. There was none of that. And I know other parents go through that. So if we're able to help contribute just a little bit um, to somebody not feeling so alone, like you're like, you know, you're way off the mark, um, then that's, a really positive thing, I think. Yeah, I think it's common, you know, if, if you if you get a diagnosis, even because my my two boys who are now teenagers got it, got a diagnosis, but it was like, here's your diagnosis, have a nice day. 
it wasn't like they equipped you with a whole, you know, box load of here's the resources, here's the specialist, this is what you do next. Uh, you know, these are the books you read, this is what you do. It was just here's your diagnosis, have a nice day. So uh, and, and I think it also depends on where you live as well. And here I'm in the capital region of upstate New York and there's nothing um, un- unless you go all the way to Rochester to the University of Rochester where there's an FASD clinic. So um, you guys are in North Carolina. So once once you, once you Nick got the diagnosis, did that make a difference? And then how did, I know you mentioned Natalie did a bunch of research, making the phone calls, doing all of that. Um, but I know, John, you talk very, you, you use, you know, the terminology, you understand FASD very well. Uh, where and how did you guys get, you know, FASD informed and equipped? Well, just through the reading that we had done, her, it, uh, when she is motivated or like when she wants to, she dives in head first, books, whatever she can get her hands on. She's just, like a sponge for information. And so she was going deep. I was trying to keep up with her and I did not, she's read probably 10 X the things that I've read and I benefit from her knowledge and teaching. So, um, but you know, I think a couple of things was that one is that we had educated ourselves enough to know that, you know, enough to know. And the other was that even before he got that diagnosis, when we got here, we started talking to, um, we started talking to uh, a doctor that was, uh, you know, just counseling us and guiding us here. when we were, you know, when we were going through all these times, like she was actually one of the only people that was helpful um, during that time. And it wasn't because she had to be, she just, she wanted to be, she had been through it. And, you know, at the times when Nick was raging and one of us is on with him trying to keep things under control, the other one's on the phone in the closet with her and she's explaining what to do. And, you know, uh, so we were really, really blessed that she was, we had her in our corner and, um, so, but the other thing was that from her and some other people through her that Natalie had met and her name was um, Kathy Hotelling and she's here in the Raleigh area. She heads up and, and um, NCFASD informed and she was just, she helped us tremendously. Um, she, uh, she pointed us to, you know, we learned about the innovations waiver in North Carolina. So I was able to get us on, the wait list went and registered and, you know, applied and got Nick got approved once he had the diagnosis. It didn't really, it functionally hasn't helped us at all at this point, other than at some point his number will come up and then we will, um, you know, he'll be, have more access to, he'll get funding and resources and supports and things like that. But that's been another frustration point. I think that, you know, we make, I, I, we make more money to, in order to get, we, so one of the things we really, really needed was respite. We don't have any family here. Natalie's mom is here, um, depending upon her work, but, um, we didn't really get any respite. And so one of the benefits that we got before getting on the list was respite. But the thing they didn't tell us was that all of the respite providers only take Medicare. That's the only way they can get paid. And we don't qualify for Medicare. So effectively, it didn't, we couldn't get respite. We, it didn't help us at all. And so we had on through like one of the apps, care.com, I think we found a lady who was coming over and doing some work with him just to give us a little break. But that ended up not lasting. It was only lasted a few weeks before it kind of just fell apart. And, um, and not because of Nick, but because of the, she was an older lady, very nice, but it was just, it was, I think just the getting around was just a little much for her. So, uh, you know, there was a few other benefits that we got, but we just decided like, this is not really what we need or he needs. This isn't going to be actually helpful at this point. Um, so that was, you know, we were kind of just, again, on our own and through the people Natalie has met. Um, we've gotten a lot of great advice and guidance and just the support on knowing that others are going through it is sometimes just, it gives your mind some rest, you know? 
Yeah, absolutely. And through your experience, I know I benefit from some support because of Natalie's podcast, uh, the FASD Hope, which I talk about often on my show. And it's, it, it is a resource that I listen to every week that has helped me as well. Um, so tell our listeners who might not be familiar, um, share a little bit about FASD Hope. Sure. So we started this together, um, I think it is October of 2020, to with the with the intent of uh, sharing information for parents, you know, we're just thinking about what we had been through, and hopefully, if we can help other parents not have to go through that level of what we went through by under by having access to information and hearing stories from other parents and hearing from different professionals who touch F people with FASD, that that would be helpful and beneficial. And Natalie has, well, we kind of started that together. She, she's taken it and run a million miles an hour with it. And uh, so she does weekly episodes, sometimes twice a week, where it focuses on different topics, different, um, different professionals, sometimes parents, sometimes people with FASD that talk about their, their experience. She also talks about some of the legislative work that's going on right now to try to get funding for FASD um, in the United States. Um, we've gotten lots of good feedback. It's funny because she gets regularly parents reach out to her my, you know, that are in a situation like we were in. They don't know what to do. They don't know who to talk to or who to call. And we're, you know, we are not, and she is not, we are not therapists, doctors, you know, we don't have that, that deep expertise, but she's really good at like, you have this here, go talk to this person or this person and kind of pointing them in the right direction and letting the professionals do their, their work. So it's been a joy and I'm super proud of the work that she's done and that it's been helpful for people. We don't want, you know, if we could avoid people going through what the loneliness of it that we went through, then that's, that's a win as far as we're concerned. Yeah. And she's done this, the same exact thing for me. Cause there's, I'll be chatting with her about something and telling her about something with one of our boys. And she'll be like, Oh, you should contact this person or read this book or listen to, you know, so she's, she's so well connected, especially with having all the amazing guests that she has on her podcast. So she's definitely a resource. And, you know, we can't diagnose and we can't offer, you know, do this and everything will be, you know, perfectly fine now. Um, But because we're all on the same journey together or very similar journeys, it's just encouraging to know that somebody else gets it uh, as we as we walk this out for sure. So, John, you were instrumental in bringing FASD awareness to your job place. Tell us about that. Um, yeah, it's it's not maybe directly FASD awareness. I'm trying to bubble that up, or at least I talk to my team. So we um, have uh, a, a team network um, that focuses on those with different abilities. So that covers physical, mental. It's just sometimes just the, your, your happiness factor. Um, and we touch a lot of different areas of it. And, um, and so I've talked, you know, I've spoken with the team that I work with about, uh, about Nick and the experiences we've been through and the struggles and, um, the frustrations that caretakers and parents can, you know, feel and go through so that it, you know, it just, for those on this, there's some folks on the team that have, uh, that have those personal experiences and some that don't, they just, they're passionate about it. They want to help others. Uh, so helping them understand some of the realities of this, that others, you know, people we work with and know we could also be struggling with and trying to just help them understand that a little better. Mm, I love that. That's so important. Um, now our podcast, the adoption, uh, foster and kinship, uh, well, the adoption and foster care journey, um, really is just that it's a journey. It is a challenging journey, especially with FASD uh, along for the ride. So John, would you share some words of encouragement for fellow parents who are navigating this difficult journey? The 
Yeah, I, the first thing I think primarily is just that Natalie and I relied on our faith. Like we really, really leaned on our faith and that has carried us through. Um, the other is thing that I've learned is, and it extends from, you know, us, but with others is, especially with your partner or spouse to give them a lot of grace. And, and, you know, if you take the focus off of yourself and how you're feeling all the time, like the world around us is so very me, 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 but think about how your, what your partner, you know, husband, wife may need and just give it to them. If you're, if you're, if it's, if you're able to, I mean, there's, it feels like when we were in that period that, that it's never enough. Like there is like a night off is great, but it's just not enough. It's like putting a few drops back in the gas tank. Um, but if you can be supportive of each other and understand that you're both going through uh, a difficult time and that you don't know what the future holds. I think the uncertainty of everything is probably it was it's worrisome and it causes stress and anxiety. But just say that you're not alone. Do the best you can. Try to be kind and you know thoughtful of the people that you love. And know and remember that for you know a, a kid with FASD, especially one that's, that's in the teen years it's not them. It, they're not doing it maliciously. What the, the things that you're seeing are not purposely malicious. It's how their brain is wired. And, and that's not the, the excuse to let it, you can't let it all roll off with, with no reaction or response to those things. They, those have to be addressed, but you know, the thing we always say or joke about is that when we're having those moments where it's an argument, a disagreement, some, whatever it might be. We just say it's his brain. It's his brain. It's not him, you know? And so I think keeping that in mind uh, just helps frame the, it helps frame it because it just, it does, it feels like it just never ends. And it, and that can be really disheartening, but you just have to wake up every morning and take a breath and hit the ground and, and, and try, keep trying is the best I can tell you. And hopefully if you have family, you have people around you that understand, or at least try to understand, um, that can be very helpful finding people that are also support, um, that are going through similar, that other also are, have kids with FASD it, that, that can be helpful as well, but just know you're not alone. There's others that are going through it and have survived you know, you can do it too, um, and do your best to hang in there. It's not an easy journey and, you know, don't beat yourself up too bad in the process because that's, that's another part of it. Right. You know? Oh yeah. Yeah, for sure. And, you know, so I love what you said about being supportive of, of your spouse, your partner. Uh, and, and I think also one way that we can do that is to learn. So if one, if one of us is learning all about trauma or all about FASD and all, because you, you yourself, like I said, you, you sound like you're very, you're very FASD informed because you, you, you understand neurodiversity and you understand that it's the brain, right? And we learn that as we go. So I think a, a big part of support is if, if one partner is learning the stuff, the partner that's not actually reading the book or going to the class is listening and trying to also learn from your your spouse because you're in it together and you both really need to be on the same page. And I know my husband is wonderful at, um, you know, he's he wants to learn and whatever, you know, whatever I've learned, he wants to learn more. And, and uh, I actually, we, I, we, our organization, we've created a FASD 101 training, just sort of an introduction to it. And my husband gets it in bits and pieces, you know, in real time as we're working with our boys. But uh, he's going to sit down and, and be part of a small group that's going to go through the three hour training that I put together. So he really can get it all in one lump sum instead of just in little bits and pieces here and there, he can kind of see the big picture all together um, because he's great about it, but we all have to, we, we have to support one another 
And we all need to be part of learning it because it's not good if it's just mom learning it and dad, you know, okay, whatever it is you're doing, I don't understand, but whatever. Mom and dad need to be on the same page and both need to be trauma-informed, FASD-informed, whatever the diagnosis is, informed. Um, It definitely brings peace and unity to the home and helps really with a united front that like that three that three strand cord right because that in faith because you talked about that faith is a big part of it without the lord um i feel like it would be an impossible journey i don't i don't think our family would be holding it together very well if it wasn't for um our faith in the lord so i'm so grateful that you brought that up absolutely and you brought up the interesting thing that you raised about trauma was that i don't think that really it didn't come it wasn't on our radar until much later in this journey. And we found a, uh, uh, like a counselor or therapist that he specializes in trauma. He doesn't have particular expertise in FASD, which I don't know that you would really, those are probably impossible. They're rare, rare to find a counselor or therapist because this kind of therapy generally doesn't, isn't effective for FASD. But what we have found is that he's a trauma counselor. So understanding that he understands like the trauma of FASD on the brain. And he is just, you know, it also is the person as well. And so he connects really well with Nick. Nick enjoys talking with him. And so if anything, it's an outlet for Nick, who's not mom and dad to talk to. And then we connect with him and we'll do sessions with him sometime to talk. And he will sometimes it's the listening, but he'll ask questions and give some feedback and, you know, have you tried this or things like that? You know, not the, we saw some therapists early on who was like, all right, have you tried taking a bath? Have you tried this? And all you could think is like a bath. I can't like my brain is <laughs> after a day. The last thing I'm thinking about is a bath. Are you kidding me? Like, so he, the, the guidance we've gotten through has been very useful. So if you're able to find someone like that, you know, who you're finding somebody that understands FASD at this point is you is going to be very, very hit or miss, but there's some of the things surrounding it that, that, where people understand some of the, these themes or concepts that, that are useful, um, that can be beneficial as well. Yeah. And I know in our journey, we learned about, uh, after reading the book, The Connected Child, uh, and then going to an Empower to Connect conference, we started learning about trauma after bringing all of our kids home. We didn't learn about, we didn't know it before. Um, and it was really within that training that I really started learning about FASD because I remember that being addressed, not really in depth, but enough to understand that um, the impact that that has on uh, that FASD has on the brain because trauma has an impact on brain development as well, uh, and and so does FASD. So when when because my boys had already had the diagnosis, but like I said, it was like here's your diagnosis, have a nice day. But in the midst of the trauma training. I learned that FASD was addressed somewhat enough to where I understood, wait a minute. And it, when I realized it was the brain and the impact on the brain, it was, it was, it was a game changer from the point of, I realized this isn't, you know, us against this kid. This is, this is, this is the brain involved. You know, it's that, uh, we, we all know the phrase in this community now, right? It's, it's can't not won't, right? We, we learned that from one of the books we've read, but um, just you learn as you go. And I think it builds and the, the trauma stuff, especially for families that are familiar with TBRI and the connected child and all of that, all of that, it, it fits in very nicely and works here as well. But you really, really, really have to have that understanding of the impact of um, prenatal exposure of alcohol on the brain. It changes the function and the structure of the brain, which, and it has all of these symptoms that parents are often running to, uh, you know, therapists and doctors with this, this, all these symptoms that they're like, you know, all of these behaviors, which are really symptoms of, uh, of FASD more often than not because of its prevalence, especially within the adoption and foster care community. So, 
um, there's so much. So I'm grateful, John, that you, um, you know, you're such a huge support to Natalie, uh, to your family, and you've learned all that that you are learning in this area. Um, and you're you're a huge, uh, you and Natalie, assets to the FASD community. So I know, just grateful. I personally am grateful for all that you're doing. Uh, and I'm grateful. Thank you so much for being on the show today, for sharing your story. Um, you know, like I said, I know the adoption in FASD community is really blessed by the work and the advocacy that the Vecchione's are doing. So I'm thrilled to have you on the show. Great. Thanks for having me. Oh, wow. Boy, that was great. I hope you enjoyed our conversation with John Vecchione. Uh, I know I was inspired. I'm always inspired by um, his wife, Natalie's FASD Hope podcast. Uh, So I hope uh, that you were inspired by uh, this episode of the Adoption and Foster Care Journey podcast. And I hope you found some encouragement by listening today. Uh, be sure to check out the show notes for this episode uh, where you can find links to the FASD Hope podcast and anything else we might have talked about today in the way of resources. Speaking of resources, I do want to let you know about the FASD 101 training that we are currently offering online or in person. Uh, We've created a three-hour training, uh, works as a nice um, morning or afternoon or evening session. Uh, It's uh, an FASD training for parents and professionals. Uh, Just a a great introduction on what FASD is, the symptoms, um, and, you know, sharing some stories about what it looks like and how to make accommodations and focusing on strengths. And it's just a really great introduction um, to to FASD. And I know that uh, those who've attended this training so far are just so excited and inspired. and, And it just all of a sudden, right, the light goes off and they realize this is what I'm dealing with and this is what's going on. And now I've got some um, ideas on, on, on how to help my, my child, you know, so um, I hope that you check it out. If you're interested in having me come present the FASD 101 in person to your support group or uh, adoptive and foster parent group or agency or organization, again, we can do it in person, but we can also do it virtually. Contact me through my email Sandra Flack, JFO at gmail.com or through our website, justicefororphansny.org. Pretty soon it will be set up on our website where you can go right on there and register or get more information. Um, right now our, our website is being redesigned and updated and all of that. So um, if you look right now, uh, the beginning of Jan- uh, June here, June 2022, it might not be there yet. So you can just email me. That's the fastest way to learn more and to get uh, get on the schedule for an FASD 101. Um, or, but eventually you'll be able to go to the website and sign up for everything. And we also have something brewing that we'll be releasing in September for FASD Awareness Month. Um, it will be a collaboration, myself and another FASD adoptive mama Uh, We're going to be, we're in the process right now of creating a community of support for foster adoptive and kinship caregivers, especially those who are parenting uh, children and youth with an FASD, fetal alcohol spectrum disorder. So not only is it a support group, but it's going to be an opportunity for you to have access to devotionals specifically for a weekly devotional specifically for families, for parents, um, and and some one-on-one kind of small group sessions with myself and the other adoptive mom. Um, Just we're in the process of building it all out now, but we want you to know that it's coming. Uh, We're super excited about it because this would be the resource, the community that we wish we had had 20 years ago when we were first on this journey and these things didn't even exist back then. Um, So we want to be a resource for you and provide you with um, just a community of support 
made up of families, parents who are on this same journey. So be looking forward to that. I'm so glad that you are with us today on this first episode for our month of June uh, episodes featuring foster and adoptive dads. We have several more lined up for you throughout the month. So if you're a mom listening, um, then you know what? You can always get get hold of your husband's phone and give him, uh, you know, subscribe to this podcast for him so that he will have uh, the Adoption and Foster Care Journey podcast dropping into his device um, or get him to listen to it with you in the car when you're going somewhere, when you're doing chores. Um, if he's not a regular uh, uh, listener or subscriber, um, it might be a great way for him to feel supported and understood. I know John Vecchione had some great things to say that I think a lot of dads um, could really identify with. So make sure that you uh, subscribe if you enjoyed the show. Um, and also let your, not only your spouse, but your fellow adoptive and foster friends know uh, so that they can find the show and be encouraged and equipped too. Uh, Another resource that we have for you is my book, uh, My Family's Kinship and Ukrainian Adoption Story. And I do talk about FASD and I talk about trauma and all of the things, uh, why we adopted, how we adopted and how everybody came home and what life was like afterwards and so on and so forth. I also share some spiritual insight there about what I learned about our spiritual adoption through the lens of being an adoptive parent. So it's all in there. The name of the book is Orphans No More, A Journey Back to the Father. It's available wherever you like to buy books. Uh, And if you get it from Amazon after you read it, please go on into your account there and leave a review. I would really appreciate that. Uh, If you'd like a signed copy, because on on Amazon, you can get the Kindle version, you can get the paperback version. Um, You can get a signed copy from me, yours truly. Um, I'll throw in a a special gift bookmark that goes along with that. Um, But for a signed copy, you would go to my website, sandraflack.com. And there you can learn also more about me, read my blog, contact me for speaking opportunities. Uh, I do women's retreats, women's meetings, parents meetings, um, you know, adoption, foster care support group meetings. Um, you need you need a mom, adoptive foster mom speaker, um, just someone who uh, you want to come in and, and encourage women, moms and women, that would be me. So feel free to reach out to me there because I am booking into 2022 um, and early 2023. So again, that's at sandraflack.com. And before we go, I want to give a big shout out to our sponsors, our Care Portal County sponsors, uh, Tri-Nuclear Corporation, Bishop Boundary Construction, and National Bank of Cooksakie. These are local businesses who care about children and families in crisis, and they help us do what we do here at JFO, and that includes bringing this podcast to you. Be sure to find and follow Justice for Orphans on Facebook and Instagram. You can also find and follow me, Sandra Flack, in both places. Now, we're at the end. If you made it all the way here, I'm so grateful um, that you stayed, uh, you know, you really, you really stuck with it. So um, grateful for you. Grateful that you spent your valuable time with me today. And I am thrilled to have you along for the journey. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Adoption and Foster Care Journey podcast, brought to you by Justice for Orphans. We hope you were encouraged today. Please be sure to subscribe to this podcast and leave a review and share it with your fellow foster and adoptive parent friends so they can be encouraged too. Be sure to find and follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Justice for Orphans. And check out our website for vital resources at justicefororphansny.org.